Welcome to Whitewater. My name is George. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, this week, um, I was really looking forward to this week. We've started this new series called The Journey. We want to help you get where God is moving you. We want you to, uh, to go where he's leading you. And I've been so excited about this series. And then, um, and then the shooting in Las Vegas happened. And guys, I want to be really honest. I've just been grieved in my soul about this. With all the things going on in our country, division that's happened, whether it's socioeconomically, politically, racially, uh, there's hurricanes, there's been fires, there's just been all these things, it just feels like it's added up and it's been, um, I was talking with one friend, he just says like, it's like, it's just too much, I don't, like, with, with what happened in Las Vegas, it's like, I can't, I can't, I don't even know how to process this. Um, and I've just been uh, grieved about that, felt shocked at first, didn't really know how to respond um, CB, uh, CBS reported there were 59 um, people murdered um, by the shooter in Las, Las Vegas and uh, over 500 wounded. I just you know, couldn't even wrap my mind around that. Um, and just the thought that like, maybe you know, if I, when my daughter gets older, if I were to you know, send her off to a, a concert, a, a country festival, that I might not ever see her come home. It's just mind-boggling to me. And then my heart just started going out to the, the victims and their families and the wounded and all the, all the heartache that's going on and um, hardship people are going to be facing from this. And then I just, uh, I went through a stage where I just got really angry this week. Have you guys felt like that at all? Just angry at, like, how could this happen? There's no explanation, too. Like, the media can't ex- explain and the... And the investigators, so far, no one can explain why someone would do something like this. That's what makes it really difficult. I mean, when people are fighting over territory or politics, we can at least make some sense. Oh, they don't like these people because of this. But if there's no reason for it, like, that doesn't even make sense. There's just no sense. And, like, this can, there's no protecting against that. So I think a lot of us are afraid, angry. And I, just, I want you guys to know we live in an age where... I just want to be really truthful. We live in an age where uh, there's this prevailing belief that all truth is equal. All, every, you, what you believe is equally as true as me. What you think and what you do and how you act and the choices you make, like as long as they're your choices and that you feel good about it and it's your belief, um, then that's fine. And it probably won't harm anybody. And I've I, I got to be honest with you, if you believe that, you are incapable of calling what happened last week evil, which is what it was. That was evil. That was sick. That was wrong. And like, there can be all sorts of things that have added up, uh, obviously maybe psychological and spiritual and emotional things that were going on that, that led up to that, social things that led up to, to that, but that act was evil. And if you don't believe that there's a creator who was the one who uh, named and said, this is good and this is bad. I don't think we have any ground to say that is evil. And so Christians, when we face this and we want to push back, God, why would you allow evil? Why would you allow something so wicked? The reason we can call something wicked and evil and wrong and sinful is because we believe there is a God who created good. And the reason Jesus came, that reason God sent his son to our planet, 
as Christians believe, is in response to evil, to save people from evil, to bring healing to our broken world. And so, Christians, if you've been struggling with fear and anger like I have, we have to remember that we're to be called people of faith. That trust God is at work. And he, like death and evil does not have the last word, God does. And we have to be people of hope. And I want to tell you guys, hope is looking toward a future that is hope-filled. And, I, and today, I, I, just want to, I just want to say this, that the, I believe in my core and in my gut, the only hope for the human race, the only hope for our world, the only hope in these situations is Jesus Christ. The, the only one who could unmask evil for what it was. The only, the only one who could absorb the sin, the, absorb the evil and the wrongness and put the world right was Jesus Christ. So I just want to take a moment and pray for our country, our world, and the families and the victims and the first responders. Would you pray with me? Father, God, we come here today, many of us feeling helpless, maybe even some feeling hopeless. Would you give us a vision today of your love? That would be so much bigger than hate and evil and death. Would you remind us again of your goodness, of your care for us? Father, would you be with the victims and their families? Would you be with those who are, are healing and trying to put the pieces of the puzzle back together? Would you be with the first responders? Would you be with them emotionally, relationally, spiritually? Would you be with the people that are going to be helping others go through rehab? Would you, just, would you, would you help your church, your people, be the, be the people of love and hope and peace and blessing? Give us encouragement. Give us faith in these times. In Jesus' name, amen. I love this church because this is a place we can be real with each other. And um, I just wanted to be able to address that today. And the sermon's going to address some of what happened to this last week and the problem of evil in the world. Um, but I want to jump into a passage that I think is an incredible passage. And um, to get us kind of in a trajectory where we can breathe a little bit, I'm going to need some help. I, I need a, a volunteer. I need like a really big, like strong, strapping, young or old man or someone who's just, someone who's, who's strong. Has anybody got some guns in here? Who's, who's pretty strong? Who's, who's, someone's getting voluntold. Nathan, all right, come on up here, man. All right. Nice. He was sleeping and they woke him up. This is good. <laughs> so I need you to stand right here in the light here and uh, hold this in one hand, this in another. And what I want you to do is looking out the crowd, I want you to hold it out straight like this. And you can, and yeah, yeah, there we go. Um, and I want you to hold your arms up. Um, while I just uh, read a few things and we can have you sit down a bit. But don't, don't let your arms go down, okay? Don't, don't let anybody come up. None of you guys come up and push his arms. This is just, I well, that's pretty good. That's pretty, <laughs> we had a guy who's like, he's, you know, works on machines and stuff. That's, you're pretty strong. Um, so hold those up. Don't let your arms down, okay? You got it? Just making sure. All right. Um, let me read this to you. This is from Exodus. Um, oh yeah, wait, before I start reading, I wanted to give a, I wanted to give a little announcement, um, 
to you guys. Uh, I wanted to explain the journey class. I'm sorry about this. Just hang in there. Um, the journey track, we've, uh, we've really revamped the journey track, and I, I want you guys to know what it is. It's a life development um, and spiritual life development uh, track that we developed so that you guys can really grow, understand faith, and move forward. And, and so I just wanted to explain what it is. You'll, I'll get into the sermon in just a second. You can trust me, Nathan. Um, I'm your pastor, and I love you. Um, <laughs> But the, the, the journey track is for, like, if you have questions about faith, like, how, how can I believe, and you've got questions about believing in Christ, it's the place to go. There's four classes or four tracks, and um, they, all, all the tracks meet, like, we teach them every second Sunday of the month, every second Sunday of the month at 3.30, and so you can catch these, and um, I, I teach the first track, it's uh, 101, it's about belonging, and it answers the question, where do I belong? Is this, in this class, you're going to discover how to belong and to build inclusive relationships, inclusive community, um, where others can belong and know Jesus, and you'll have the opportunity to, maybe keep those up, man, don't let those get down, um, you'll have the opportunity to, um, yeah, there we go, good strategy, <laughs> You have the opportunity to get in community or know what community at Whitewater looks like. You have the opportunity to step into faith. Um, you'll ask questions about our church and then also learn about baptism, which next week, next Sunday, we're having Baptism Sunday. So if you want to get baptized, you're interested in that, come to the class or just show up next week and we'll be ready for you. It's going to be awesome. Um, so that happens in class uh, track 101. Track 201 is believe. How do I know what God wants for my life? In this class, you'll learn how to discover um, how to live a lifelong relationship with God, how to uh, follow him, how to know what God wants for you and actually do what he wants for you. And so that, that class is really cool, cool. You'll learn how to read your Bible a little bit, pray. It's, uh, it's awesome. Track 301 is uh, bring and how can, I, how can I serve others? And this you'll learn how to use your time, talent, and treasures to serve God. He's doing fine, folks. Don't worry. He's strong. Um, and that's really, really good. Uh, I also want to mention that in the journey track, you, you not only get an opportunity to like step into faith or learn about faith, commit, uh, maybe get baptized, um, join community group, but also serve. But if you're ever interested in membership, like how to join the family and just it, membership is really saying, hey, this is the church where I want to serve and, and, um, and help grow and help reach the community. Um, you, you can actually um, join membership uh, through this, this track as well. Uh, and track 401 is blessed. How do we give or how do we bring the, new, the good news of Jesus to others? And how does God use my story and my faith to impact others? So I want to invite you guys to that. Again, it's the second week every, every month, except maybe once, once or twice during the year. But every month on the second Sunday, come at 3.30. Uh, if you want more information, go to whitewater.community. And uh, I'm going to be teaching the first track today. So I'd love to see you guys. There, um, we're going get, to get jumping in. All right, so uh, let's get started with the sermons. Hey, dude, lift that up just a little bit. How are your arms doing? Are they burning a little? Uh, yeah, you're doing really good. Um, so uh, Exodus 17 says this. At, keep those up. At Rephidim, Amalek came and fought against Israel. Remember, the children of Israel have been in the wilderness. They've just been freed from Egypt, and now they're in this wilderness, and they're being tested, and they're learning how to trust God. Um, in verse 9, it says, Moses said to Joshua, because Amalek, this group of uh, people are coming to fight Israel, he says, select some men for us and go fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the hilltop with God's staff in my hand. Joshua did as Moses had told him and fought against Amalek. And while Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill uh, with Moses, while Moses was uh, holding his hands up, Israel prevailed. But whenever he put his hands down, Amalek prevailed. Don't let Amalek prevail, Nathan. 
when Moses' hands grew very heavy, real heavy, burning, just so heavy, (laughs) they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat down on it. And when Aaron and her, uh, Aaron and her, it's not, uh, it's not her, it's him. Her is the name of a guy. Just be clear, you know, clarify for you. Uh, he sported his hands, <laughs> one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. And so Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. The Lord then said to Moses, write this down on a scroll as a reminder and recite it to Joshua. Let keep that up. You got it. You're doing good. You're doing good. I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek under heaven. And Moses built an altar for worship and named it, The Lord is my banner. Almost done. One last first. He said, Indeed, my hand is lifted up toward the Lord's throne. My hand is lifted up toward the Lord's throne. Can I get two people really quickly? Could you guys, could you two just come up here for a second? He's starting to burn pretty bad. Could you guys just hold his arms for a second? Just for a moment. Let's look at that face. Does that feel good? And lift the arm up. Just lift us up. Yeah! Look at that! Well done. Is that... You all right? Okay. So would you guys slowly walk him to his seat and make sure he's all right? <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. Give him a hand, would you guys? Well done. He's like, you probably didn't think you were going to get a workout coming here today. Thank you, Nathan, for doing that. One thing that's really important to know when you're on a spiritual journey is that your pastor might do something like that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> One thing that's really important, and you might you want to pull your notes out um, and uh, maybe take some notes on this. In the wilderness, there's always a battle between us and where God is leading us. In the wilderness, there's always a battle between us and where God is leading us. In verse 8 it said, in, At Rephidim, Amalek came against and fought against Israel. And Moses said, Joshua, select some men for us and go fight against Amalek. And then Moses is like, I'm going to go be on the hill. And Joshua's like, you're going to go stand on the hill and I'm going to go fight? There's always a battle that comes against us. And I think it's so important to know that. And the hard thing is that they're in the wilderness as if the wilderness isn't already a challenge. And many of us have been in a wilderness in our faith um, where we've been struggling. We don't want to be in the wilderness and God's led us. We thought we were going to have freedom and everything's being perfect. And then like we're with all these people in the middle of the wilderness in this desert. and There's not enough food and we have to learn to trust God day by day. Day by day. And we can't live on yesterday or months ago faith. We have to live day by day. Um, And some of us in here are facing not only the wilderness, but a battle in the wilderness. You ever felt like life is just piling on? Top of you, like when it rains, it pours. And you're like, no, no, George, it literally pours. And what what, what poured down on me was debt and, and, you know, my horrible in-laws or, you know, something in your life. You're just like, it's just been pouring onto me. Some of you guys are really facing some battles. And many people face battles in their life in the wilderness and they struggle with it silently. Like nobody else would know that here. And they might not know what you're struggling with. I mean, I, I know people who, um, friends who have struggled with cancer. 
get through cancer, go through all the treatment, survive it. And then they're told, oh, hey, by the way, your mom also now has cancer. And this is going on uh, with your business. And this is also going on with your life. And it's just like, are you kidding me? Have you ever had that happen? You're in the wilderness and then all of a sudden you face a battle or a barrier. And there's always going to, like when you are on a journey of faith, there will always be battles and barriers that come up between where you're at and where God is leading you. Where he's leading you. And some people are facing the battle of cancer and health issues. Some have family members, like, and that's the battle you're with them, and like, that's the battle you're going through. You're going through a battle where you've, you're, you're, you're trying to grieve and you don't know how, and you've lost somebody in your life, and that's just been a battle. And then all of a sudden there's other adversity and other barriers that begin coming up against you, and you just don't even know how to deal with it. Like, how do I even process this, God? There's people here that have been facing you know, hard, just hard life things like infertility. What do I, how do I deal with that? I mean, my wife wanted to have kids and we can't have kids. I mean, you know, my, my family wanted this future and we don't have this. Or I lost this job and this was my dream job. I'd worked so hard for this and now it's gone. And my whole trajectory in my life has changed. And, you know, what battle have you been facing? You're in the wilderness and like, what are you going to do about it? Like, Lord, I'm trying to live day by day. That's hard enough. And now you're bringing this. Um, I have a friend who, um, I, a gal who we just, we just love at, at Whitewater. And I just um, want to show you her story of a, of a battle that she has faced. I'm Aubrey. And uh, I've gone to Whitewater for a long time, pretty much since the beginning. So about a year ago, Nick, my husband, and I decided that we wanted to start a family. At the time, been married about three years, and it was just seemed natural time. I've always wanted children. I thought, okay, no big deal. Most of the women in my family got pregnant super quickly. This is going to be not a big deal. In fact, it's a basic function that you're supposed to just be able to do anyway, right? Three months in, nothing's happening. I'm like, hmm. This little voice is creeping up. Something's not right. Time keeps going by, and I'm feeling not good, um, and I can just tell something's not right. I get recommended a doctor who apparently specializes a little bit more in these problems, and I walk in, and he brings up my chart and looks at my um, results of the blood work, and he looks at me and he says... Well, one thing's for sure, kiddo, you're not ovulating. And it's frustrating because part of me feels like, well, there was something wrong. At least I have an answer now. But then the other part of me is, this should be easy, God. Why didn't you make this easy for me? I don't know what's going to happen, and that's really hard for me um, with my anxiety. It's really hard not to know um, if I will get pregnant, and there are those days where that voice creeps up that says, maybe you're not meant to be a mom. Maybe you wouldn't be good at it. That's not true. And um, God reminds me of who he is. I can try to write my own story 
and it's never going to be as good as the story God writes for me. I really appreciate um, Aubrey being willing to share what's going on in her life, the battle she faces, and her and her husband face, and me and my wife can relate to that. We, we didn't know if we could have another one, and uh, Wesley, we just recently had Wesley, he's a miracle baby, um, we've been through you know, miscarriage after miscarriage, and it's hard, and there's a lot of people who've been through that, and there are battles going on that people suffer with silently. Uh, I think it's really important to name the battle you're going through. A lot of times we don't want to name it because if we don't speak about it, then it's not there, or we don't have to like feel it. A lot of men like if we don't name it, if we don't talk about it, then I don't have to feel emotions. Um, but what ends up happening is you just bottle it up, and it's going to come out somewhere on someone. And um, it's important to name the battle. Like Amalek was named in this. He was named in this. And after the battle was won, it's interesting that that says I'm going to blot out that name. And the battle that we fight, like God wants to blot out the, that, the evil that comes against your life. And um, how do we fight it? How do we fight a battle? Like once we've named it, how do we fight this? How do we handle this? And I, I, I love, just like my friend Nathan, like there's this image that, at the top of this hill is Moses, the spiritual leader. And typically, the leader would be down fighting, but Moses is older, and he's the spiritual leader, and God's asked him to go up on this mountain overlooking the battle. And Joshua is fighting with all these people, and they're fight- like you have to understand this battle is for life and death. It's like this is for keeps, like whether their families and their lives are going to continue or not. And uh, so, they're f- so Joshua is fighting. You can imagine him saying, you know, as Moses is walking up the mountain, thanks for staying, Moses. And then the battle commencing. And as they're fighting, and they feel like they're fighting on their own, and their leader's up there, all of a sudden when they, they're doing well, and the victory looks like it's in hand, all of a sudden the battle takes a turn, and it's not doing so well. And you can see Joshua looking up on the hill and seeing all of a sudden Moses' arms sinking. And then him putting his arms back up as a spiritual leader with the staff in his hand putting his arms back up, just boom. And all of a sudden, the battle swang back toward them. And then shaking, and then slowly coming down. And all of a sudden, Joshua realizes that they need Moses to keep his arms up, keep his hands up. And there's this spiritual dynamic, this emotional dynamic, this spiritual reality of what's happening. There's so many layers to this, but I, I want to I just paint a few of these layers for you because it's so important that we know this. And you don't have to be a Christian to, for this to be important. I think this is really important. Moses, like, how would you like to be Moses and all of a sudden realize, like, actually see the effects of you holding up the staff, the staff that you, you used when you were a shepherd, the staff that, that like you've used to shepherd people and like part the Red Sea that God has used, this, this very natural, like ordinary thing has become the symbol of faith and hope for your people. And if you let it down, you're letting them down, like your family's lives, your, your people's lives are at stake, and that's on you, on you and your strength. And he's not strong enough to win the battle. He's not strong enough to hold this up on his own. On his, own. And the, his people, Joshua, as, as skilled as they are, are not strong enough to win this on their own. It's like all of a sudden, I need the Lord. We need the Lord to win this thing for us. 
And it's in that moment I could just see those friends realizing the spiritual reality, learning in this moment that how, how much they need to trust God, how badly they need him for, for, for survival. And it says they come up and on either side and they hold his arms up. And that image is just so powerful to me for a number of reasons. Um, they hold his arms up. When Sarah's dad had a stroke, he lost his whole left side. Couldn't speak very well. And I remember seeing Sarah help lift him up as he was trying to like, learn how to stand again, learn how to walk again, learn how to talk again, and slowly walk her down. And there were moments he, he calls his left hand lefty. And it, it doesn't have full feeling or full um, mobility. And he's, and he's always working on lefty to try to get it going. His left leg is really returned with a lot of strength. Not fully, but returned a lot. But lefty's the last thing that's been coming around. And the nerves are coming around. And, and he's always like shaking it, trying to get it going. I remember Sarah helping move his hand. Holding like the same hands that held her when she was a baby. Same hands that would pick her up and take her hiking. The same hands, the same man who would go, who lived in New Guinea, was a missionary, climbed mountains, was just this burly, six foot three man's man being held up by his daughter. She was holding the hands that had held her when she was little. Like There's this power when we come around each other and hold each other's hands up. And my question is, who in your life holds your arms up? Who holds your arms up when you're struggling, when you're going through it, when you're going through a battle, whether it's financially, relationally, emotionally, spiritually, uh, um, anything that you go through, who holds your arms up? Um, And we live in this world where we just want to keep things quiet. We want to just struggle silently with it because that's what you do. That's what the good soldier does. That's what, you know, we do in our world. We don't talk about these things. And so, like, not only is it, like, people feel alone and, like, no one's there to hold their arms up. They're trying to hold their arms up. They're trying to win this battle on their own. And they can't do it. We can't do it. I can't do it. And and our arms are starting to sink. And we need help, but we, people don't even, some people don't even know to look, or they don't know what to look for in our life, and it's this secret hurt that we're going with, and we don't share it with anybody, so no one can help with us. And I just want you guys to know, this is a place that is, that is for the lifting of arms, for lifting each other up, and, and sometimes we can't help, or your friends can't help, and those who would lift your arms can't help because you haven't shared with them. And friends, I want to say, learn to name your battle. Tell somebody. This is why community groups are so important. You guys might remember Tiana's story last week where she shared like, like sometimes the only thing that got her through the week was her community that would stand and lift her arms and what do you need and how can we be with you? Look for the needs of others and don't just wait for someone to tell you. Like whose arms are you going to lift up? If we're going to be a church that actually is a place to belong, a place of belief, a place of faith, then we, we have to help lift other people's arms when they're getting tired. We have to be able to look for the hurts and the, the hard habits that people are going through and struggles, and we have to come alongside and like, hey, let me lift your arms. It doesn't say that Moses said, hey, would you lift my arms? They just saw the need, and they went and lifted them. So we need to be attentive, listen, and look for people when they're, when they're starting to shake, the shoulders are starting to burn, and their faith is starting to, to, to fade, to lift them up. 
We're to be a community in the world that looks out at a world that's dying, that, that's fighting like all sorts of battles and doesn't know how to fight things in the, in the way that God wants us to. And they're struggling. And we are to be the church, the people who come and lift others' arms up. And it strikes me just how important it is, like, like this, mo- the, this staff of faith and lifting his hands up like in, in worship and acknowledgement that I need you, God. I cannot handle the battles that are in front of me. We will not win without you. And when his hands are up, um, acknowledging God and, and honoring God, worshiping him, like everyone else is lifted up. Your worship life, your faith life, your hope life, it lifts others up. And you might not even know who you're impacting when your arms are up. And so I want to encourage you, you've got to keep your arms up. Whatever God has given you, whatever faith you have, keep those arms up. It's so important. You, you, I mean, if you've got family, if you've got kids, you should know this. And if you don't know this, you need to know this today, that your faith is impacting them. Your hope you holding their arms up. You, you showing them the trust and the faith that you have in the God, the only one who can really deal with the darkness in this world, that, they, that, that, that they're impacted by your faith. And none of us are perfect, and we can't be like we... I'm not Jesus. You're not Jesus. I can't take away the sins of the world. You can't take away the sins of the world. But my goodness, we can stand like Moses and show that we have faith. And when we start getting weak, we're in a community that lifts our arms up. And we see someone else, and when their arms are, are, are weak, you know, like we lift them up. And it's interesting, when we help other people lift their arms up, and when we let other people, we allow other people to hold our arms up in tough times, guess what it looks like? Everybody's arms are up. And I can't help but read this passage. I, I love it. It says, for, um, While Moses held his hands up, Israel prevailed. But when he put his hands down, Amalek prevailed. And when Moses' hands grew heavy, they took a rock and had him sit on it. And then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. I can't help but imagine like that this is, this is, this is symbolizing something greater. This is pointing towards something that's, that's bigger than even the, 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 the moment in the Old Testament. If you know the story of Jesus, you know that, like, that he came as an answer to a lot of the questions and the prophecies of the Old Testament. And in the story, we see that Moses, who's trying to hold his arms up but can't quite do it, he doesn't have the strength on his own, and even when the men started holding up his arms, ultimately even their strength would have failed. That this is pointing to the moment where Christ opened his hands and on the cross held his hands up for the sins of the world and took on the world's darkness, absorbed sin, hatred, violence into himself. He forgave sinners. He converted all the evil in the world and converted it into love and grace When we were weak, he held his arms up. The nails kept his hands there, and he kept his hands there, and he lifted the world. And I just think that image is so powerful. So whose arms are you holding up with your life? That's my challenge. Who do you let hold your arms up when you're getting tired? And ultimately, if you trusted in the arms of Jesus, who were lifted up, so that you could have life, so that you could have a relationship with God, so that you could have his spirit, so you could have a new purpose in your life. He held his hands up. When, when all his friends abandoned him, all the disciples, everybody, his, his whole team left him in his darkest hour, and yet he still stood there holding the hands up.
That is someone I can worship. That is a God who loves us. It's like almost unfathomable how much God loves you and me. And he held his hands up. Um, have you trusted in him? I love in this, in this passage, I just think this is so powerful. It says um, in verse 13, Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. He defeated him with the sword. But it says uh, in, in, the, in the path of Jesus, Jesus went to the cross. This is something so important. You might want to take this, write this down. Joshua won the battle with the sword. Jesus won the ultimate battle with the cross. With the cross. Where Joshua you know, won it with the sword. Uh, in, in Matthew 26, it says, at that moment you know, when Jesus is being taken in and they're going to take him and crucify him and he's with his disciples, it, it says in that moment one of those with, with Jesus reached out his hand and drew his sword and struck the high priest's uh, servant and cut off his ear. And just took the sword and said, no, we're going to stop this. And Jesus told them, put your sword back in its place. Because all who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Joshua may have won the battle with the sword. I mean, it wasn't really Joshua who won. I mean, you could have seen all these guys who didn't look at Moses and know what was going on because they're so focused on the battle. They could have been like, man, look what we did. Look how we won the battle. No, 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 no. It was God who won the battle for them. He's the one who gave them the strength. He's the one who gave them the victory. And in the New Testament with Jesus, we see Jesus gaining victory, not by using the sword, by absorbing the sword, not by using um, power and control and violence, by absorbing the those things and showing the world another way that we can trust in a God who came and gave us his best and was generous with his love and showed us a new way to live. And Jesus with his disciples, he's like when they're facing darkness, when they see the tsunamis and hurricanes and evil and the, the murderous intentions and actions of wicked people in the world. That says the answer is not the sword. The answer is not taking control. The answer is the king of kings who held his hands up in love. And our weapons are the weapons of love. Our answer is the way of the cross. When we see, well, it's the way of faith. It's the way of hope. It's the way of love. And you and I who would look at this broken and bloodied and messed up world with all sorts of evil, it'd be easy to be like, well, there's the good, good people over here and there's the bad people over there. But the truth of the matter is that there is a line that runs between like all of us and inside all of us where there is good and there is evil. We all have sin. Everyone has fallen short of God's glory. Everyone has fallen short. And, and friends, the only hope that we have is Jesus Christ. The only hope we have is looking to him. Um, second, uh, it, it says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, who made a choice to sin and, and, and do his own thing, it caused death to rule over many. But even, great, but even greater, even greater than sin, than dark spiritual forces, than evil, than anything that's wicked in the world, greater than this is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it. Who all who receive it 
will live in triumph over sin, triumph over death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Our hope is in Christ. He transforms our hearts. Our politicians and policies, politics are not going to change the human heart. The nonprofits that raise all sorts of money and have all sorts of good things that happen, they're not going to solve the problem of the human heart. God solved the problem with the human heart. He gave us the true Moses who holds his hands up for us, who loves us, will take us through any battle that we face. But we've got to trust him. And we've got to hold our hands up in faith. And we've got to hold other people's hands up in faith. Trusting in Jesus. I just think it's so important. My passion today is to let you guys know that Jesus won the battle we couldn't win. Jesus won the battle we couldn't win. And when we hold somebody else's hands up, when we, we do that, God holds the rest up. And we can't win by the sword. We have to win by the cross. That's where true victory comes. We, we can't react the way the world reacts. So when the world hears that, oh, we need to like, use the, the weapons of God, which are truth and, and God's love and salvation and prayer and God's word and, and the peace that comes from God, that we bring the peace. It doesn't make sense to the world. Like, does it make sense that we put our hands up in prayer? So many people are like, well, prayer is nice, but we need action. They don't realize that faith in prayer is action. We're, we're acknowledging God. We can't deal with this. I don't emotionally and physically and um, spiritually know how to handle uh, all that the world has to throw throw at us. God, I need you. We are in complete dependence on him. That's the only way. And those are the weapons that we have been given. Not the weapons of the world. The weapons of peace and prayer. Are we utilizing those? Are we using those to hold the world's hands up? And it doesn't mean that we just, we only pray. Don't, don't mistake me. We pray so that we learn like God, oh God, would you shine a light on the truth here? Because I don't know what the truth is. I don't know where to get started. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do from here. And when we put our hands up in prayer, like all of a sudden God reveals what he wants and how he's at work. And he opens our eyes up. Because if we don't pray, then our action is going to be wrong. It's like, it's like if we were firemen um, and we were going around trying to put out fires, but our boots are on fire, we're just starting more fires. And Jesus is saying, put the sword away, put the ways of the world away, and start going with the way of the cross. Follow me. He's teaching us how to actually deal in a sinful world and deal with evil. Amen? And I just think that's, well, it's everything. And I just want to give you an opportunity. If you haven't responded to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to him today. It says that if we receive his grace, we will have victory. If you have not received his grace, his love that was taken on the cross for you, you can receive that gift today and have eternal life, have a transformed life, and be in a family that's bringing peace to the world. The peace of God. So I want to give you the opportunity. If you'd bow your head with me, and it may be Maybe you're like one of these guys that's in the battle and, and you feel like you've left the battle and, and maybe you don't deserve to be on God's team anymore because you've run away. Come back. Pray this prayer, this prayer of faith with me. And this, these words that I'm praying, are, I, I just, they're, they're representative of what's in our hearts. And so pray in your own way to God right now. But I'm offering these words for you to connect with Him. Would you pray this with me in the quiet of your heart? Father God, Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, 
to be the one to lift his hands on the cross and to die for my sins. To absorb evil, to absorb my evil. And to give the world hope. Jesus, I give you my life. The best I know how. You take over. Show me how to live. Thank you for forgiveness and freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, there might be people here who are facing a battle. Like, we, we can't have kids and we don't know what to do. And we like, that was our dream. Or you might be facing a health thing like cancer. You might be facing a loss and grief. I want to pray one last time. And I want to pray over you. I want to lift my hands over you. And I want to pray that the God who gives the victory would give you victory in your life over the battles you're facing. So let me pray one last time. This is a prayer for anybody here, a prayer blessing. Father God, I just ask that you would bless and win the battle for the people that are sitting here. And for people struggling with being able to have the, the, the child that they've had in their heart, would you give them the ability physically to have kids miraculously, Lord, by your spirit or through medicine and through the doctors of our age? Would you give them that, Lord? And if, if that's not the plan that you have, Lord, would you give them uh, a son or daughter through adoption? Would you allow that? Or, Lord, would you give them ability to see the needs in this world and see kids that are even here at our church and become spiritual mothers and fathers right now where they're at so they can begin pouring into them and give them the desires of their heart? If there's someone here that's facing cancer or great health issue, would you give them victory, Lord, and um, healing? And, Lord, if, if their family member or they themselves... Um, don't have the healing that they want. They have to spend time in this world with, with pain or they have a shorter time than they thought they would. Lord, I pray that you would let them look forward to the time where the battles are fully put to cease. All wars will end. All battles, whether it's cancer, it's emotional, it's relational, Lord, and they're in heaven with you. Would you give them hope for that? And Father, help anyone here suffering silently to let their arms be lifted by you and to open up with others and let their arms be lifted up by the people you've put in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.